0: Welcome to Duval Radio. Now, I am pretty positive about what happened this week in the Vikings game on the road. Um, It was a good week, and we definitely have a lot to talk about. Um, At the end of last episode, I mentioned that hopefully it would be a positive podcast, and I said I think it would. Also, I have been pretty good on the betting portion this year, and yet again, I said... You should bet the Jaguars to cover here, uh, or to against, you should bet the Jaguars to lose by less than 10, and that's exactly what they did. In fact, they almost won the game. So, it was very, very close game, of course. It came down to a Dan Bailey missed field goal, which gave us an opportunity, and then we couldn't do anything about it, and then Dan Bailey, of course, made the next field goal. Uh, but it was still a a good game. We saw a lot out of some young players that we hadn't previously seen before, and you know, it came down to a three-person or a three-point loss in overtime. But we st- we still played good. Obviously, we could have won that game, but I mean, it is what it is. To be honest. I I honestly, like, rather have these kind of games where we play close and still lose. Because we need that pick. Although, let me search up the draft order now. Because I think we do actually have an entire game now over other teams. Because literally it was the Giants and Washington who were ahead of us. Yeah, now it's Cincinnati and LA Chargers. So... We have an entire game and a half above Cincinnati and then two games above the Chargers. So we could still get a win here. I think that'd be great for us to finish with a win instead of 1-15. But more than likely, we'll get another win, and more than likely, the Jets will get another win. That's just uh, what I think they're... Also, did you know New Orleans is on a nine-game winning streak? Uh, But... Yeah, right now the playoffs would actually be a lot in our division. We'd have the Colts playing the Chiefs. We'd have Buffalo playing Miami, which would be fun. And Cleveland playing Tennessee. So with the uh, Steelers, of course, getting the bye. But yeah, so the Jaguars, I'd rather them have these kind of games where we play close, like I mentioned, but we still don't get the victory. But I'd like for us to get maybe one more victory. And I think um what does our schedule look like? I think we don't have like any more games where we'd even be close to winning. Yeah, we've got the Titans, Ravens, Bears, and Colts. So honestly, the Colts or the the Bears is probably the closest game we could win. To be honest, I think we probably could beat the Bears. As far as the Jets, they won't beat the Seahawks, or the Rams, or the Browns, maybe the Patriots. They might beat the Patriots, I'm not sure. Uh, But that's what I got there. So the first thing I want to talk about, then, is Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, it came out that he begged to play. So this is Doug Marone deciding to go for Mike Glennon instead. So... Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew said that he pleaded with head coach Doug Marone to put him back on the field after he was medically cleared from his thumb injury. We knew he was we knew he was fine, but they're still going to go for Glennon to start today. And I think what Glennon did this week might have been enough to start the rest of the season. But we still have a fiery Gardner Minshew. So Marone opted to go with the, Mike Glennon against the Browns. And he's stuck with Glennon, uh, even in his three-turnover performance against Minnesota this week. So we'll have to see if we start him against the Titans, or could we get Minshew back versus the Titans. But even Minshew said, it's pretty, or, it's so frustrating, Minshew said, I pretty much went and begged before the Cleveland game to be able to play. It sucks, you know, there's no way around it. I want to be out there, I want to be helping our team, but if helping our team is me being the best number two, then that's what I've got to do right now. Uh, And that's a role that could be permanent for uh, Minshew, depending on how Glennon plays against Tennessee. If Glennon plays against Tennessee, I still think that is completely up in the air. Um, We've actually, I'm not sure if I, uh, I'm not sure, I didn't uh, write this down. But I did see earlier today that Minshew was still throwing the ball very, very far. And that's not a thing that a lot of people see in practice. That's what Doug Marone said. So Marone's kind of, you know, maybe uh, giving the idea that we could see Gardner Minshew coming back this week. I would like to see it. I think Glenn did good for what he was supposed to do. He played two close games, uh, a two-point game and a three-point game. And I think that's the best we've got out of the season so far besides the Colts game. These last two weeks have been the best we've had. And if you look at why, it's because our defense is playing much better. And we're having our young guys play good, which we'll talk about later. But we're getting solid quarterback play, except for last week, the three turnovers didn't really help. Um, So, I think uh, there's nothing else I can really... uh, I think he's trying to get to do everything he can to get himself back to a point where he feels comfortable and his workload is right. That's another thing. Um... And then Minshew also said, I mean, I don't think if anybody has a long-term future right now, just being the nature of being 1-11, so there's really no telling how things will shake out. I can just control what I can and go from there. So Minshew, of course, probably knows that he is not going to be starting on this team next year unless something crazy happens. Uh, But yeah, I I think I would like to see Minshew come in for a, a little bit more of this season specifically the final four games if he does bad whatever if he does good then hey he'll probably get a roster spot somewhere else next year or even be our backup quarterback and uh, looking at some of the things that some fans are saying uh someone said as much as i've criticized him he's definitely proven that he belongs in the league somewhere he's sure better than mike lennon i would have to agree with that and people say he's easily the best quarterback on the roster it sucks that our team is too dysfunctional to ever really give him a shot I think we did give him a shot last year. He went 6-6 six and six with a much better roster. Um, someone says, I feel bad for the guy. Finally gets his shot to be the man and gets injured. Hit the injury for nice exact reason. Sucks the way things worked out. I really hope he gets a shot to another team. We could probably get a third rounder for him. Anyway, I think so. Josh Rosen was a fourth and a second round pick, I believe. Uh, so we could probably get the same out of Minshew. I think Minshew is way better than Josh Rosen. So we could probably get like a third out of Minshew. Next, I want to talk about the tight ends. Specifically in the way that this uh, uh, draft is, and specifically the way our team is right now. Um, But looking at the roster, we have Tyler Eifert, who is continuously doing much better. You know, he had a touchdown. um, He's getting more catches, more yards. And we have O'Shaughnessy, who is still pretty reliable. He did drop a couple of balls last week, Yes. Um, but the worst thing that happened was that Mike Glennon interception on the DJ Chark, which would have been a first down. But uh, our tight ends are basically two guys that are just average or slightly below average, like a 5 out of 10. You know, if depending on who the quarterback is, these tight ends will be completely fine. So I don't think tight ends the issue. But we seem to have like a bottom tier tight end core. And Josh Oliver doesn't even exist on our team. Uh... But, you know, we need someone like a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Waller, a Hawkinson, a Hunter Henry. So, looking at guys in the draft, we have Kyle Pitts, of course, and we have Pat Friermu. Fra- Pat Friermu, I watch a lot of Penn State football, right? I watch the Big Ten Network every day. Pat Friermu is the best pass catcher on that Pennsylvania State team. I think if he could come into uh, our team at that first round... Uh, the twenty, the mid-20 pick He'll still be there by then And we get Justin Fields We could have a situation where we have the um, Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields Or Pat Fireman and Justin Fields But then we lack uh, offensive tackle And we'll probably have to pick two offensive linemen In our, both our second round picks And I did my mock draft I did not have them doing that actually And let me pull up my mock draft real quick uh, I believe Oh, sorry, I don't have it on here. Um, I believe I picked uh, a tight end in the second round, and then I picked the offensive lineman in the first first and second round along with Justin Fields. So I went QB, O-line, tight end, O-line. That's kind of how I picked it in the draft because we're going to be able to get four really good guys with that. Um, but, but even if in free agency, like Hunter Henry is going to be a free agent next year, um, he does have injury issues. But he will be a free agent next year. Our wide receiver room still isn't the greatest uh, at all. You know, Chark is doing all right. Conley is inconsistent. LaVisca can't stay on the field, but he does well when he is. And everyone else is either too young or not good enough, especially when Fields is going to be on this team, either Fields or Lawrence or Kyle Trask, one of them. Um, But I think Jonu Smith is probably our best bet here because Jonu Smith is in the division. It takes away a tight end. They obviously like Ferkser a little bit better um, because Ferkser's been getting a lot of catches now for the Titans. So Jonu Smith probably won't be on that team. If you look at Jonu Smith, he's a really big guy who can catch a lot of touchdowns for sure, and he's got some speed. I think he'd be perfect, and then we don't have to uh, spend a pick on tight end. And if you remember, we have the most cap room. We can get a safety, we can get John News-Smith, um, get a, someone else, sign our draft picks, and move on to the next year with like $40 million in cap. You know, we're obviously not going to spend all of that money. They never do. <laughs> uh, but another thing I want to mention, the past four Super Bowls have been won by a team with an elite tight end. If you look, Travis Kelsey, Rob Wankowski, Zach Ertz, etc., uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be a top 10 tight end, maybe even Pat Mills. So I think uh, that is the upside of drafting a guy. <laughs> Another thing, too, Colin Johnson was the fifth-graded receiver. Of course, we'll go through the stats here in a little bit, uh, but Colin Johnson was the fifth-graded receiver uh, just below Devontae Adams at 86.3, according to PFF. Colin Johnson has now had two good weeks in a row. And this means that obviously Charks number one, Chenault number two, Keelan Cole, and Colin Johnson. It took Colin Johnson eleven weeks to finally like get his second touchdown and finally get some catches. And now he's getting multiple catches and you know he's doing pretty good every week. At this point now for the last couple of weeks. Um I do think if we look at the order here, it's it's probably Chark, Cole, and Johnson for the rest of the year because LaVisca is always hurt. But I do think for the future, it's probably Chark, LaVisca, and Colin Johnson, which is going to be a good, good combo. Let's take a look at the game recap. The Vikings outlast error-prone Bailey. This is true. Dan Bailey kicked a 23-yard field goal in the overtime after he missed a two extra points and a 51-yard try. So, literally, Bailey's the reason that we stayed alive in this game. Uh, Glennon had a fumble. Glennon had an interception. We had that one thing where it was literally, uh, like, they fumbled the ball, and then we fumbled the ball, or it was the other way around, and it just kind of went back and forth, and it wasn't good. But, um, I tell you what, man, we could not stop Justin Jefferson, and he's already looking like a, a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, look... He has joined the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Randy Moss, as the only rookies in Vikings history, which is 1,000 receiving yards. So he's getting up there, right? Uh, the injury report then, uh, the big ones we want to talk about here, Brandon Linder and LaVisca Chenault each departed with injuries. Sidney Jones had in his Achilles tendon. He was out, again, leaving the Jaguars without four of their top five corners. Not good. Did get to see a new corner, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The Vikings, no one really big here besides Allison or Alexander Madison, Herb Smith. Uh, the Vikings play Tampa Bay. I'll actually be at that game. And the Jaguars host Tennessee at home. I was going to go to that game, but I'm not going to that game. Uh, all right, Jaguars losing streak. Now 11, fall to the Vikings in overtime. So, Jaguars, yes, they are 1-11. And yes, they did lose to now 500 Vikings, But they came into Minnesota with a clear sense of energy and focus, was really competitive. And that's a good thing because you look at how the Jaguars have been. They are the best 1-11 team I've ever seen. Almost beat the 9-3 Browns, almost beat the 5-1-in-a-row Vikings, almost beat the Titans, who are literally like 8-4, and then they almost, or they did beat the Colts for like 8-4. So this, this is like the best 1-11 team I have ever seen in my entire life. And Jaguars, you know, they've had leads. They hold them, but then they give them up. Kirk Cousins threw all of us today. Joe Schobert got a pick six. I mean, things just worked today for the Jaguars, but they couldn't get it to go down in the end. They were given opportunities, but nothing really ever happened. Let's talk about the stats that stood out um, the improbable completion, so to say, uh, with the LaVisca-Chenault touchdown. Uh, it was um, the play that glinted threw that should have been picked off turned out to be a touchdown. Obviously, we could take that one away from uh glennon and say oh he had a terrible game he should have had four or th- four turnovers and zero touchdowns uh which you know would be a valid argument because he threw it right at the minnesota viking guy and it bounced off of him went five more yards into the end zone so that is a very probable uh i wouldn't argue with you there saying that that should not have been a touchdown and should not and should have been an interception but still he he ended up getting the credit for it but yeah if you think about it that way glennon didn't play that good and that was the least likely, uh, least least likely play there. It was a sixteen percent chance that that could have happened, um, and it did happen. So we also put pressure. Um, Cousins finished twenty eight out of forty three uh, with three touchdowns and interception, uh, mostly because him and Dalvin Cook weren't on the same page, which obviously ended up being a pick six. His passer rating was ninety nine point five. But Jaguars were able to get uh, 14 hits on the quarterback. Jeez Louise, they have never done that. Like this year, um, they had four sacks. They had 11 sacks on the entire season, right? They are literally averaging less than a sack a game. They had four sacks today and 14 quarterback hits. So Jaguars were able to force pressure. I think that was a good thing. And it was unfortunate that the offense wasn't able to... uh, make it work and i have a really cool quarterback performance stat so this is basically a chart that shows each quarterback and kind of like a hot zone uh so glennon was 28 for 42 and cousins was 20 for 43 so they each had 28 completions glennon just had one less throw Uh, but if you look at Kirk cousins his best was on the left side and right side on the corners uh 10 yards out he, if, you, if you think about it, five to 10 yards out, he was 9-for-9 nine nine, uh, with about 60 yards and a touchdown. If you look on the right side, he was about 8-for-11 with 70 yards. Then you look at the deep side on the right, 3-for-3, three three, 34 yards, that's t- the 20-yard passes, and then 2-for-5 on 30-yard passes, including a touchdown. So we were getting beat heavily on that right side because that is our weak side with our injuries, so... Cousins was definitely able to do that. The one thing that we did stop, though, was the middle of the field. This is good. Uh, he was 1-for-2 on the short yard in the middle of the field and 3-for-5 in the middle of the uh, middle of the field in 10 yards, but that included the interception. So it's not like we were able to stop Cousins too much, but we were really getting dominated on that right side. Um, and then if you look at Glennon, really, his deep, r- deep throws, he was 3-for-8, but he did get a 84 yards and a touchdown, also an interception. But he definitely targeted the middle of the field the most, right? He was 5-for-5 on short yardage situations. Those were all James Robinson, 23 yards. 7-for-11 in the middle of the field, but that included the interception. And 2-for-2 on 20 yarders in the middle of the field. In fact, the 15-20 to was his best. If you add up the 15-20, to he was 6-for-6, 1-for-3, 2-for-2, and 1-for-1. And that's where about 150 of his yards came from. So Glennon was really able to attack the middle of the field, which is a good thing because... He's throwing for first downs. And I think that's a a thing that I never really talk about on this show uh, at all, and that's definitely something I want to talk about more, is going to be the quarterback performance by passing zones. I think that's a great stat to have, and I actually found that on the Vikings website. So kudos to them for that. Um, Another thing I want to talk about here, Calivan Chason takes step forward, has best performance of 2020. This is definitely true. We have been waiting for this guy. And almost like the Colin Johnson thing, it finally took him so many amount of games, but he only had one sack and 10 pressures this entire year. And now in this game right here, he really played well. He only had two tackles, yes, but he was consistent against the run and the pass. And he had five pressures and two quarterback hits, which are both career highs. It was the first game this season that PFF had credited Chase on with more than two pressures. Well, he had four games where he didn't even have any of them. So this is the big thing. Um, and Doug Marone said, we had a lot of discussions this week. I had discussions with him. I'm like, hey, listen, don't stop your feet before contact. He's been doing a good job in the run game, but he affected the quarterback Sunday. So that was the first time I felt like good about what he was doing, where he was going, and now we have to build on it. It's one of those things where some players can take a gradual increase and just get a little bit better as you keep going and keep playing. And some players all of a sudden, boom, the lights come out. Like I said, you could say the same thing about fifth-round receiver Colin Johnson, has played great in the last two games. Same thing with Devon Hamilton, who obviously peaked in the middle of the year before his injury. Daniel Thomas is starting to get good now. Ben Barch. Obviously had that crazy offensive line push uh, the other week against the Browns. So really, our rookies like this is the best part of our year right now. These last two weeks, and our rookies are performing really well. And I have a lot of confidence heading into the Titans game, even though we are projected to lose by seven point five. I think we will lose by probably more than that. I think next week is going to be a good game. Um, I think I, let me just talk about roster real quick, and then we'll go over. The stats from last game before we end the episode. Uh, so, the Jaguars' safety Josh Jones and linebacker Shaquille Quarterman have been activated from the team's injured reserve list. So, we'll get them back next week, which is great. Like to see Shaq Quarterman, the big guy from the U, Miami, Chain Gang Turnover Nation. Uh, he'll be back. Defensive tackle Karen Reed has signed to the active roster from the team's practice squad. That is more than likely because of the two injuries we had. Quarterback Nate Meters has been elevated to the active-inactive list for tomorrow's game. Uh, this, this was yesterday, by the way. Uh, or two days ago, by the way. But I just want to mention because I didn't uh, didn't go through this uh, on the Friday's episode because we didn't have it. Devon Hamilton and Ben Effelstead have been placed on the injured reserve. And Craig Reynolds, our running back, has been ra- waived. Guy that we never even played. So... Let's talk about stats real quick just end off the game. let's look through the Vikings real quick. Kirk Cousins we already mentioned his stats 28 for 43, 305 three touchdowns and interception, the interception turned out to be a pick six. Um, before I go through our supplier stats, I kind of want to go by quarter by quarter. We were winning the first quarter nine to zero, which is great. we've been doing that recently um, and we were still winning after the first half, nine to six but it was really in the third quarter in which it was uh, 13 to 7. Then the fourth quarter, of course, was really weird. 8-5 uh, was the score in the fourth quarter. And then they unfortunately got the uh, o- overtime kick to win the game. But let's continue through the player stats. Despite Dalvin Cook having 120 yards and six receptions from 59 yards, he had a really good fantasy day. If you had him, he had 23 points. But if you think about it, we kind of stopped Dalvin Cook. He had 32 rushes. At 120 yards, which if you add the math up, 3.8 yards per carry, that's not that good. Anything under four is not good. So we stopped Alvin Cook in a sense. In the passing game, maybe not. Six receptions, 59 yards. But still, in the rushing game, we we stopped him. He didn't have 32 carries in 200 yards, right? He had 32 carries in 120 yards. So basically, we we stopped him. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't do anything. Three rushes, 12 yards. Amir Abdullah had two rushes for 11 yards. Justin Jefferson had one rush, two yards. That didn't work. Uh, Receiving-wise, Justin Jefferson was their best player yet again. Nine receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Adam Thielen had eight receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Amir Abdullah, one catch, 18. CJ Hamm, one catch, 12 yards, and a touchdown. Chad Beebe, who got the game-winning catch last week, had two catches for 10 yards. And Tyler Conklin had one catch as well. And then in terms of the defense, Harrison Smith had an interception. Cameron Dantzler... Had an interception. Uh, Dingbo had a, ta- a sack. Matafa had a half a sack. And Harrison Smith had another half sack. Harrison Smith was definitely their MVP. He was definitely the guy that was haunting Glennon all game. He had the second most tackles and half a sack. Of course, they were missing Eric Hendricks in this game. Uh, so Eric Wilson had 11 tackles, the most on that team. They didn't do anything in the punt return game. Only seven yards uh, per Return as kick return is a little bit better for them, uh, but they only had three. And Dan Bailey, of course, not his best game. Missed two extra points, missed a field goal, but he did make a 48-yarder, and was the reason that they won the game. Uh, Kevin Col- or Brendan Colquick had uh, seven punts as well. Now on to the um, total stats, real quick, before we go over to the Jaguars. Uh, 390 yards to t- 420, so we only only 30 yards less. Uh, 266 passing to 275, pretty close there. Uh, 124 rushing yards to 145, once again, pretty close. We actually won a category: of 5.7 yards per play compared to the Vikings' 4.9. A lot of that had to do with Dalvin Cook not running the ball amazingly. 20 uh, first downs compared to 30, not good. Uh, Four third downs compared to their seven. Uh, no one went for it on fourth down. They had 16 more plays than we did. We had two more sacks than they did, and two less punts than they did. Uh, We did have 10 penalties worth 83 yards to their six worth 41. We lost two fumbles and two interceptions while they only had two turnovers in total, and they had seven more minutes of time up possession. So finally, let's look through the Jaguars. Let's start it off with our punting because Logan Cook only had five punts in this game. That is good for us. And 51 yards per punt. Send this guy to the Pro Bowl, guys. Chase McLaughlin missed a field goal, unfortunately. But it was like a 60-yarder, I think. It was like a 62-yarder. He wasn't going to make it. It almost went in. But he wasn't going to make it. Uh, So, you know, we can't blame him for that one. Uh, Keelan Cole... Oh, the other thing I was going to say, McLaughlin was the only guy who made all of his extra points and field goals last week. I did say that in the podcast, uh, but now, obviously, that's expired. Uh, Keelan Cole, three returns, 13 yards on the punt. Didn't do anything. Kick returns, we didn't return any kicks. So we just did touchbacks. Um, in terms of tackles, Trey Herndon stepped up this game with 11 tackles. Josh Jones, as well, with 10 tax- tackles. How about our... Uh, how about our secondary making the tackles? Jack had eleven, Schobert had twelve, including interception and a sack. Joe Schobert might be my MVP. Not even I was Miles Jack at the midseason, but Schobert is doing better and better and better. And he is he's is in like one of the top of the league for tackles. Above definitely above Miles Jack. But it is also the nature of the position as well. Uh, Led Barco had five, I don't know why I sound like that, had five tackles. Drod Wilson had five. Uh, Smoot, Smoot had two sacks today with four tackles. Good job on him, right? Maven had three tackles. Joe Giles-Harris had five tackles. He was one of our backups playing in this game. And Josiah Scott was the other guy I wanted to talk about that came in. Once again, it was like our fifth string corner but I tell you what, he did get beat a lot, but him and, Her- him and Joe Giles Harris did what they needed to do. Uh, Caleb on Chase on, of course, had the two tackles. Shaquille Quarterman didn't play, no one else really played. Adam Gotz this had a tackle as well. Uh, looking in the receiving game, right? Mike Lennon had 280 yards, uh, 28 for 42, and a touchdown and two interceptions. So no receivers are really going to have crazy numbers here, but Colin Johnson had four receptions for 66 yards. That's 16 a carry or 16 a uh, catch. Uh, Tyler Eifert had six receptions for 45 yards. So I said he did good. And James O'Shaughnessy had four catches for 41 yards. So our tight ends had 90 yards and nine catches. So good to see them getting out there today. DJ Chark had two catches for 41 yards. He, of course, is not too happy about how things are going, especially that Mike Lennon interception in uh, overtime or the fourth quarter. I I think it was overtime. Um, LaVisca Chenault had three receptions, 38 yards, and a touchdown, but I was said that was like a 30-yard play that shouldn't have happened, uh, but whatever. James Robinson, six catches, 30 yards, he's doing his thing. Conley, two catches, 12 yards, and Keelan Cole, one catch, seven yards. Saubert and Ogwale each had targets, but no catches. And finally, the rushing game, uh, Dario Ogunwale had two rushes for seven yards. Glennon had three rushes for nine yards. Laviska had two rushes for 30 yards. That's 15 to carry. That's pretty good. Um, and then James Robinson, 18 rushes, 78 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, and a touchdown. So this guy might beat Fred Taylor's record. He's got four more games to do. He needs to average, like, 90-something scrimmage yards to do it. And he's getting a touchdown, like, every single week now. So this guy is doing great. Thanks for listening to this episode. A bit of a longer one today. Uh, I've only had, like, two episodes that were longer than 30 minutes. Uh, I haven't had any that were longer than 30 minutes that were just myself. So... That is going to happen because I do need to search up James Robinson's stats real quick. Uh, So yeah, this was a bit of a longer episode, but hey, it's positive. We had a lot to talk about. I think it went well. Uh, But let me just find James Robinson's stats real quick. I want to see how far away he is. Okay, he has 212 attempts, which is 3rd in the league. 968 yards, which is 3rd in the league. 7 touchdowns, that's 10th. And 4.6, that's 21st. Um... Regular season, he has 968 yards, as we mentioned, and 7 touchdowns. And he's projected for 1,291 yards. So it is very possible. He's actually number 4 in fantasy football. Um, On the the running back. So he's projected 1,291 yards, 283 rushes. Did we even get that with Fournette? Like, I don't, I, don't, I know he, he did a lot, but I don't know if we even got that with Fournette. Uh, Receiving-wise, two three 310 yards. So, yeah, he needs about 400 yards in the next four games. Uh, scrimmage, that is. So it's very, very possible. Um, <laughs> it could happen. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. A 30-minute episode, like I said before. I did get a Mark Brunel signed jersey. That's pretty cool. Check that out on the Instagram, at Duval Radio. That's Three U's, three L's. I'll see you guys next time on Friday.